Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. Welcome to America's Heroes Group. This week with our roundtable with Clean Energy Infrastructure Partner, Zodiac Solutions, LLC. Today is Saturday, October 1st, 2022. October is Breast Cancer, Mental Health, National Disability, and Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. Just heard at the top of the hour. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. And our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have a familiar face and voice on our show today at this segment. You know him very well, Rob Howard, U.S. Navy veteran and president and CEO of Zodiac Solutions, LLC. We're going to talk about Zodiac Solutions, Brevian Energy, and some things that's going on in the world today. We're talking about energy, energy independence, also ways to save money, make money, and do better things with your life. We're talking about let's talk about what's going on with this clean energy. How are you doing, Rob? I am I am doing good, and I want to make sure we um, give a shout-out to let the people who are dealing with these disasters, the hurricanes, that we're thinking about them. And, right. uh, yeah, it's 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 tough to watch. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's tough to watch. And that's something I wanted to really touch on because we've gone through this situation a few times before in the past. We had a cut back in 2021 in Texas. Texas had its own power grid, the only state in the country with its own power grid. It got hit with devastating cold weather. And they had power structure failures, power grid failures across the state where people, uh, 700 people died because they did not have energy to sustain basic things like food and keeping the refrigerator on heating their homes things like that now we have a hurricane in the south that's touching south carolina touches puerto rico what are we where are we at in the conversation of microgrids and tell us how microgrids can be a solution for these types of things well two two things one when you ask the question where are we we're literally not there yet as a country we're not there yet one because the current structure of how our utilities are are designed and built, mm-hmm. there's what I like to call it's old school with regard to the folks in charge and how they want to do it. We talk to companies all the time, and they don't realize that microgrids can be a solution. And and we're not saying it's got to be a solution for every single place. Like you mentioned the Texas area. The Texas situation is interesting because Texas chose not to be a part 
of, let's say, the Western state grid. Texas chose not to be a part even of more Eastern state grid. Because what happens is if you have an issue on that larger scale, had they been connected to the Western state's grid, it would have been easier to link in to power to be shipped in from other areas. So that's one situation that Texas, I, I, I hope I don't offend the Texas folks, but it was Texas being Texas. We've got ours. The microgrid issue, particularly around the islands and those places that aren't just large land masses, the failure to have microgrids, the failure to really lean into renewables has kept us on on a track to where we're going to continue this. Climate change is real. People can say what they want. But when you take an entire ocean and you increase the temperature one-tenth of one degree, your storms will be large. Mm-hmm. They, they, they pick up steam. If you'll notice how those storms, once they get that warm water, they're bigger, stronger, faster. They sound like superheroes now. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is our, our infra- the infrastructure that we had that was built for that type of storm every 100 years, we've had six in the last 10 or 15 years. And so it's going to continue. What do we do? We have to lean in to real investment in microgrid technology. If you just started in in Puerto Rico, because of the terrain of Puerto Rico, it's hilly, it's got villages in different areas, you could literally set up microgrids in those areas and not have to run wires, poles and wires. You can take care of that area. Now I can go to another area. It's cheaper. You're now using renewables. You're saving the planet, and you're saving money. However, we we tend to do the same thing. We want to rebuild what we had. Sometimes we need to look at what we had, start moving forward to what we need to do. Because, honestly, if you think this is the last Category 4 hurricane, then you're not paying attention. So it's going to get worse. So do we continue to repeat it? Look at what the money they're asking for from Florida. But this was a state that... I mean, the Sanders voted against the money when it was up on the East Coast and they needed that money. Mm. And now when it's me, I need it. I don't begrudge them for asking for it. I'm saying be open and honest about what we need. Florida's infrastructure, if you'll notice, there were bridges totally wiped out. So so not only can we start doing this, but one, it, gives, it puts, we've got veterans with the skill set that we can put to work. But we're not. We're going to be so busy dealing with the crisis. This is my fear. They're going to be so busy dealing with the crisis that they're not going to focus on how we can prevent the next crisis, if that makes sense. Makes perfect we should sense. be putting people to work in livable jobs. We should be training them right now. We should be and just continue because if you'll notice, there is a sharing agreement between utilities when they're at a even when we are rebuilding after fires, we're rebuilding after hurricanes. Utility folks from all over the country travel to that area, and they help because you're trying to basically rebuild the entire infrastructure all at once. Mm. And you need those extra hands. Well, that's a great opportunity to bring in folks, particularly veterans, and have them come in as helpers, learning how it works. Because not everyone can handle that type of work, man. That's, that's, that's tough work. That, I mean, it's really, really tough work. So, so it, it's, it, it frustrates me in that 
you see some of the things that need to get done. I'm constantly talking to my congressman about what are we going to do? What are we going to do to to prepare? You know, uh, what is it, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure? So Florida, they're going to, it, this hurricane will probably r- ramp up to the top at the highest cost based on the size and the damage that this hurricane did. The sad part is, based on what we're looking at from the climate, the next one could easily surpass it. So what do you do? We have to start investing in our infrastructure, but not the same infrastructure. Microgrids won't won't work for everyone. But when I have areas that are hurricane and, and tropical storm prone, I've got Puerto Rico. Puerto, we owe Puerto Rico. These are citizens. We owe them to build a system that is not a patchwork. If you go down there, that system is patchwork. Mm-hmm. People so, with so generators really in their backyards, to, all kind of crazy stuff. Just people doing whatever they can yeah. do to get power. Diesel generators and, and little kind of things. The original grid is not even up and running yet. It, it, it is frustrating. And sometimes I, I'm... I'm when you look at like small businesses like us and you are really working, cause we have to work with those investor owned utilities. Mm-hmm. And when we have a project, we have a, we have an investor owned utility right now. We have a project. We have been trying to get the, the, their part of it to get the approvals almost a year, wow. almost a year. So we have a client waiting on us and we can't get all of the approvals to get this project done. And so, the answer really has to be the businesses have to lean in, but our elected officials have to lean in. We have to, we have to say, wait a minute, this is just not good enough. And we're better because it, we have the knowledge, skills, and ability to get this done. Because all they have to do is go in, get that part that we're asking them for. Because, you know, you have to go through them because you are connected to the grid. Even though you put the microgrid in, mm-hmm. it still has a connection to the grid. But so correct if me if I'm wrong, though, the microgrid can still run independently of the grid. Unlike yes. most systems, when you put some solar panels in your house, whatever, your solar panels are useless without the grid. But a microgrid can run by itself with or without the grid. And, again, the technology – we. Here, you know how they say, we have the technology. Mm-hmm. Literally, what a microgrid, the, the controller is, 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 is the key. It literally can say, okay, I'm taking this solar power when it's enough. Oh, by the way, the house isn't using all of it, or the building isn't using all our solar panels. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to charge the battery. Or I've got larger systems where you've got hydrogen fuel cell technology. I have a factory. I can now take natural gas and use half the amount of natural gas for the same amount of electrical output using hydrogen fuel cell technology. And so when I need base load at night, because solar is not a magic pill. Mm -hmm. The sun doesn't shine 24-7. Solar gives you about 30% of the day where it's actually good. But if you mix in solar, wind, hydrogen fuel cell technology, even low emission generators, Puerto Rico should have a system. Florida, in those outlying areas, should have a microgrid system. That's what we need to lean into. The toughest part, I think, if you want to, if, if I was, someone was to ask me why, it's a lack of understanding of the technology. But because, this, this is the thing, though. This is what confuses me because I hear a lot of businesses and corporations, Fortune 500 companies, that are saying they're realizing because they look at it at, at the bottom line. They're saying, if I have a microgrid, and I'm in these, these sensitive areas in Texas and Florida, all around the world, 
it would be nice to have my own power structure that I can control and I can still tap into the grid and use it, but I can save money in the process. So if, if you know once, so goes the S&P 500, so goes the world for the most part. So what is so why are we why are we seeing pushback and in, in, in slow motion when we just had this infrastructure bill that was passed by the current administration? We have this Build Back Better plan, which includes uh, the uh, the Inflation Reduction Act and so on. All this money flowing in, what 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 is what's really going on? What is who what the what politics are at play here? Well, I think you just said it. It's the politics. Follow the money. If I have a company and my focus is gas and oil, these other microgrid, all this other stuff is cutting into my profit. So my lobbying is about the business that I'm running today. And in a, our system is a quarter system. Those companies are focused on quarterly earnings. They're not focused on, not, let, me, let me say this way. Quarterly earnings become out front is what they're having to address. And because they do have, you know, three, five, 10, 25-year plans, but I need to make sure I'm profitable this quarter. If I am investing all this over here when when people don't even understand it, then it makes it difficult to get that investment. So, so what we try to do is to continue one by one, one city council, one school board, because they're the ones that are struggling with funding. But if I can save you a third on your electric just had a conversation by the way i just got back from ghana for an education conference and that's a whole nother conversation that we need to have because of the tariff with all that sun solar is almost non-existent but that's Mm. a whole nother conversation but i had a conversation and this this building was spending they spend nineteen thousand dollars a month for their for their utility bill and when we told them what if you were only spending 14 and they it was hard for them to even wrap they couldn't wrap their head around it because they were like how is it how can that be possible and huge roof surface warehouse area where we could have the batteries everything was set up they have access to a natural gas pipeline so everything is set up and so it's a matter of walking them through it because if it's not, it's like sharing in the community other jobs besides being, uh, I'm going to play basketball or be a rapper. You know you can be a, my plumber drives a better car than I do. You know, we don't think about those trade jobs. And so it's about explaining to the business owners and getting to them. And when you're working with government, government is slow. For better or for worse, sometimes that's good because you don't want to jump out there and, and, and not do things wrong. But the business owners, um, why we target them is because they can move a lot faster. But I still, my dedication to my community, I want my school district complaining about not having supplies. Well, if I can save you a third on your electric bill, you can put that to supplies. It's, it's not brain surgery. So that's where I think we really need to lean in. And people need to ask even if you're not in the utility industry, you ought to be asking your school board, why aren't you saving on your utility bill so that we can have more books? I mean, we, it, it, it's amazing. Uh, you, you go and talk to teachers. Teachers. Hmm. And $1,000 a year their own money on supplies because the school can't supply it. It's criminal. Right. I mean, so, so I think a lot of it is how do we dive in and who's having the conversations and 
the political establishment, I keep coming back to our elected officials. The lobbyists are talking to them on a regular. So we need to have that conversation. People can call their congressman. They can call the city council. They can call their state representatives. We have to start asking the question. And that's why I really do appreciate you all are bringing this conversation forward for people who are like, wait a minute. And to include the veterans. The military trained us to be dropped in the middle of nowhere and set up a city. Mm-hmm. It's it's not that we can't do it, right? And so it's, it's frustrating, but we we keep grinding. But the thing is also too important. People have to understand that when people think about microgrids, they their mind tends to gravitate towards solar exclusively. They're thinking this is some kind of solar project and things like that. Microgrids can run off any type of fuel source. It does not matter. It does not have to be solar. It could be wind. It could be natural gas. It could be you know, a diesel engine could be whatever. Alaska, as we know, has tons of microgrids because it's so remote yeah. and it's so difficult for them to patch into the main grid. Because you got to remember, Canada separates us. A whole a whole country, size of the United States, separates us from Alaska. They have to rely on microgrids, and the weather being so such that it is that it's so it's so uh, so uh, temperate over there. It's so cold, and you got the ice and everything. You can't just run connect them to a power line, run an extension cord, and plug them into the grid. They rely on microgrids. Absolutely. And Absolutely. It works. And, and, what, and, and, and your understanding, you, you're, you're basically from, compared to the conversations we have, you're at the PhD level. Because, <laughs> they, I mean, really, I talk to elected officials all the time. I mean, school boards, city councils, stuff like that. Honestly, electricity is not what people do. And that's, that's one thing I wanted to touch base on because that's, that's when I was going through getting ready for this show. That's one thing that kept hitting me over and over and over again. The average person does not understand or realize how much energy that they use on a daily basis. That we take it so for granted and we think we just we used to flipping the switch and it just works. We don't think about all that goes behind it and, and all the people that was required to put that in place. And the world, as we know, it is changing. Electric cars are coming. So we have electric cars coming now, and I've been hearing conversations about people now trying to transition using these electric vehicles as generators in, inside microgrids. Well, well, think about this. In in California, and I'm sure in other areas, when you put in the charger for your electric vehicle, part of that agreement says that they can use your car as a source mm. if necessary. Wow. And so... You are you're being integrated whether you want to or not. So, and then how we we are again. I just got back from Ghana, one of the area down on Cape Coast. There are areas, ninety eight percent, ninety eight percent of the folks were not on any grid, had any power whatsoever. Wow. So so we just assume you can turn the switch on. It was in some of those areas, they literally go to the market each day to get their food because there's no place to store it. There's no refrigerator. There's none of that. And so the question is, how do we educate the folks who are here who have this? And we have to keep doing it. Your radio show, I've been sharing it with others because you're having these conversations that we're just not having in regular company and the people who can make decisions we need decision makers to better understand because here's the thing if you look at your utility bill i think people ought to take some time and look at because most people i found they just pay it 
they don't look at the fact that you've got a transmission cost. Uh, if you're in an area with a nuclear power plant, you, you have a decommissioning cost. If you, I mean, and you have a gas cost, you have an electrical cost. So you have all of these different costs. Do you even understand why? And people just, what's my bottom line? I pay it. And so a lack of understanding is a part of our issue. It's really to, to believe that electricity just comes from the wall. Mm-hmm. And so we have to get to the world is going to change. And if our communities don't get ahead of it, and that's what we're trying to do is get ahead of it. You've got to get ahead Rod, I mean, Rob, I really appreciate you being here. U.S. Navy veteran and president and CEO of Zodiac Solutions. We got to, we just, just scratched the surface on this topic. We got to have you back. We're going to get into this a little more deeper until people start to realize what we're saying and also the importance across the country and also for our veterans to help them get some work and, and also become more prosperous, not just for ourselves, but for the entire nation. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.